0: So we, uh, we had the configuration in here um, several months back in April, very differently, um, and we had a Seder. How many of you were able to be a part of that? Okay. And, and we relived what um, the Jewish people had practiced um, since after their freedom in Egypt, from Egypt. Um, and yet the Seder is a little bit different. Um, We're going to talk about that somewhat. But this day in the life of Jesus that we're going to talk about, and we're going to receive communion together here in in just a bit, Um, but this is is about focusing on a unique reminder. Um, It could be argued that actually the the Passover started um, prior to the exodus, um, as the people of God were commanded to eat this Passover lamb. But from that point on, during the 40 years that they were in the desert, although it was observed by some in in some ways, um, the Passover lamb was not offered again for another 39 years after they entered the land. And though some will say the reason for not observing with the offering of the Passover lamb was because God didn't ask for it. In fact, if you read some of the history and some of the rabbis, that's what they will say. God did not ask us to do that, so we didn't want to impose on him in any way. Um, some will say that they missed an opportunity as a nation, as a people, to show God that they were really interested in. That they were really on board with the way in which he had led them and and what he had done. And and they were invested in the commands of God. They were even excited to keep them and and to prove that by expressing a a desire to honor God with offering this Passover lamb each year, it would be kind of taking the initiative in some ways. Many years later, we find that the Passover was not observed at all. From the time of Samuel until Josiah became king. In fact, in 2 Kings, it says this in chapter 23. Then the king commanded all the people saying, Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in this book of the covenant. Surely such a Passover has not been celebrated from the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all of the days of the kings of Israel and of the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was observed to the Lord in Jerusalem. It's interesting, isn't it? That the the celebration of something so profound as as the miracle of the Exodus and all of God's provision could kind of just get overlooked by some completely forgotten and, and by others maybe just pushed aside a bit. When Josiah restarted the the Passover, it was was also reformed in some ways, though. And it went back to its roots, as he said, what was written in the book of the covenant. And Jewish historians will note that that Passover celebrated then, right, before Josiah's reforms, was more individualized. It was more family-oriented, Um more as a a collective of of just the people. And and this, this meant that as Josiah began to reform it, it became more focused on the, the, the corporate celebration of the of the nation. The temple was involved and, and even pilgrimage to the temple for the time of the Passover and the celebration. And, and even as it came about, there, there were a couple of celebrations that were kind of blended together. So there's a lot going on with the Passover. And I know sometimes when we view the Seder we think, okay, that's, that's exactly the way the Jews celebrated it from their coming out of uh, Egypt forward. And yet, that's not accurate. But because of this refocus, some of the, the modern day Passover celebration for the Jews and for the Jewish people had to change. Because as Josiah reformed it and it became a little bit centered on the temple, when the temple was destroyed, what do you do now? Right? When there was no longer a place to offer the sacrifice necessary to fulfill the commands of God. This is is where we see the Seder then becoming a a focal point. Seder in Hebrew actually means order. So there there was to be a specific order given, and it it evolved over time. Um, Specific order given to what the celebration would look like, what would be done in that time, what songs would be sung, what things would be read. Um as they they took this time in this remembrance meal. The parts that we went over, if you remember, was at first a blessing over the fruit of the vine and sanctification was in view. And then there was the ritual washing of hands, purification. Then there was eating the greens dipped in salt water to represent the tears. And then raising up and breaking the, the middle matzah. Remember, there were several matzahs there brokenness of the situation in view. The telling of the Exodus story then followed, remembering and and self-reflecting. A washing of the hands again before eating, purification. The blessing over the bread and the meal, showing gratitude. The blessing over the matzah, showing the haste by which they left, the unleavened bread being the key there. And the freedom also, the brokenness from the bondage. The eating of the bitter herbs, Reminding of the harshness of slavery. The eating of the matzah and the bitter herb and the haraset. You remember when you made the little sandwich there? Um, the substitute, really, in the Seder for the Passover lamb. Bitterness of slavery, the sweetness of redemption. And then the big meal. We didn't have that. If you remember, they, they talked about it, that this is the point at which we would have a big meal and everybody went, aww, Right? <laughs> But the festival meal and and, and the freedom and the liberty that would be found in having this celebration and this meal together. And then the the eating of of the the matzah, again, the afikomen, you remember. The the revelation of what has been hidden has now come to, to light. And the grace after meals, expectation in view, and the singing of psalms and hymns, praise to God. And then the conclusion, if you remember, the hope and the blessing Next year in Jerusalem, right? Expressing the hope that the Passover will once again be with God's people together in that place. In Luke 22, we are told in verse 1, The feast of unleavened bread, which was called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might put Jesus to death. They were afraid of the people, though. And Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve, and he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. They were glad and agreed to give him money, so he consented and began seeking opportunity to betray Jesus to them. Here's where we pick up a day in the life of Jesus, okay? Verse 7. Then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us so that we might eat it. And they said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said, when you've entered the city... A man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters, and you shall say to the owner of this house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Verse 14 says, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, because I say to you, I I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after he had eaten and said, this, is, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Behold, the hand of the one betraying me is on the table, for indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And, and they began to discuss this amongst themselves, which one that he was talking about. So after this picture, you've got the picture, right? They're all sitting around a table in a room that's been furnished that Jesus had told them would be. And they've got all the things of the Passover there, including the, 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 the meal stuff and, and all of those things. And after this, he dealt with some things with the disciples, some disputes among them about who would be the greatest. Seems like a perfect time to be concerned about yourself, Right. Then he dealt with Peter's lack of understanding about what was going to happen and how Peter would react and and the cost to Peter personally. Remember what Peter said? Oh no, I'm gonna... Right? Lots of things going on. It concludes in verse 39. He came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago, how he would get away and he had things that he would do on an ongoing basis. Mark says they sang as they went out. So Jesus, in history, right? In this moment of time, in history, Jesus was in the middle of what had been done before and up to his moment by Josiah. All of the reforms, all of the things that brought people into Jerusalem, to the temple, to express to God all of the things that they were going to express during this Passover. He was in the middle of that, And the destruction of the temple that would take place. That would change everything. And start a process by which there would be order needed to be brought into this Passover time. So that people could understand. No. We don't have a lamb. We have to take matzah. And stick it. You know. Make a sandwich out of it with some other stuff. So. Jesus is in in that time, and and what he does in this moment of time was very unique. It was was meant to be a unique reminder. And, And it would be a unique reminder to all those who would believe that he is the Messiah, and all those who would follow him. It wasn't that they couldn't celebrate the reality of the exodus. It wasn't that that was a bad thing. It wasn't that they were not going to be able to participate in the future after the temple is destroyed in the order that would become the Seder. It wasn't that. It was that he was offering them, in those moments of time, something different. He was offering them communion. The opportunity to share in a closeness, in a unity, to share in a most intimate fellowship with Him. The the practice of communion is common in the Christian church. We we receive communion in, in the form of bread and juice, and we follow the command given by Jesus the simple definition of communion is an act or time of sharing in intimate fellowship. Now think about this for a second. An act or time of sharing in intimate fellowship. Synonyms for the word communion, closeness, unity, which are, which are really, as we're looking at this moment in time, more in line with what Jesus is doing with his disciples, we, we don't talk about it that way often. We, we come to our tables or we have somebody pass it down or some churches do it as you're on the way out the doors or whatever, whatever it might be. We, we don't always talk about communion being framed by Jesus in the idea of intimacy and closeness and unity. But we do find that in this time as we worship, As we pray, as we meditate, before we receive the bread and the juice, we begin to understand this sacred time, this time of intimacy, of fellowship that we have with the Father because of Jesus. In practicality, communion is a simple event In reality, it's so much more because it's meant to be both joyous and serious. It's meant to be both thoughtful and humbling all at the same time. One scholar said this regarding communion. The purpose of communion is to receive from Christ the nourishment and strength and hope and joy which comes from feasting our souls on all that he purchased on the cross. And especially his own fellowship with God. This time of communion is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. As an extension, kind of even the completion to the Passover meal Jesus was having with his disciples. Paul's Paul's instruction though, as he as he walks it out, right? From the time of Jesus and when he talks to the Corinthian church, considered by many to be the primary teaching on what communion is and how it's supposed to be and how you're supposed to do it and how you're not supposed to be and all of those things, he addresses the way in which believers should approach the communion table. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what communion represented represents is clear. There is a necessity of the shedding of blood for the atonement of sin. In the Old Testament the life of the animal redeemed the life of the sinner. And, and made a way for forgiveness of sins in those moments to take place so that it was possible in those moments for the people to be restored to right standing before God as a result of the sacrifice. The connection was clear with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So they could, they could make that connection, right? They, they, could, they could see, okay, sacrifice, sacrifice, those kind of things. As, as Paul would explain it later in his second letter to the church in Corinth, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So so now all of these things are kind of flowing and coming together. The breaking of the bread in the Passover meal served as a reminder, in the Seder at least, of the brokenness that was the people. And later, as it's blessed in the Seder and broken again, it, it reminded them of the hasty exodus because the bread was you know nothing to rise and they didn't have any time. And then also it reminded them that their slavery was broken. There was freedom there. So there was, there's a lot of symbolism in the things that go on. What let them know... That what Jesus was doing in that moment of time, when they were at this meal together, and, and, and that things were changing, is when he said, as he broke the bread, this is my body given for you. Now, I was telling somebody this morning, I, I sat down kind of in, in that scenario, in my mind, and I'm thinking as these disciples would have thought, and, and even the practice of the Passover and all of the elements that they have from Josiah and the temple and all of these things that are going on in this Passover meal, there would have been no zero context for them to understand the statement that he was giving. This is my body, which is given for you. Had no place in the Passover meal, No reference for them to make to the statement. They knew that a lamb would die. And they knew that the meal was based on that lamb. And they knew the shedding of blood. They knew all of those things. When the the bread was broken, the people of Israel, these disciples, they would associate it with their deliverance from Egypt, for sure. But here, it would only be later that they would understand that as Jesus' body was broken and Jesus' death came about, It brought about redemption. It brought about salvation. And in that moment, when all was realized, they would know that they were being given the opportunity at that moment in time when they were having this meal with him to partake in something different. It was a unique reminder because it was supposed to be a unique reminder. And and though the time of communion is recorded in... Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John records things that took place after this time as Jesus prays, right, with his disciples. You've read through it before. You get to John 17. Jesus re- John records things um, that Jesus prayed. It's, it's beautiful. It's loving. It's an intimate look at the heart of Jesus for these disciples and for those who would believe in him through their, their testimony and their preaching by the Spirit of God. Jesus' prayer, though, has been analyzed from every angle. And for sure, there is a lot that can be taught from this prayer that Jesus prayed. But what it taught the disciples as they played it over and over again in their heads, I believe, actually informs what we're talking about related to communion. You see, if we if we believe that communion is not simply the Passover meal made simple, right? You can do it in five minutes or less. And, and, and much like the Passover, communion can be either taken lightly or even forgotten all about or, or done in a manner so ordered, Seder, so ordered, so routine, so repetitive that it can be done without any true connection or purpose then we've missed the reality that Jesus gave as this unique reminder so that in it there would be an opportunity to revisit over and over as often. Like we said last week, how many times does something have to be done for it to be often? Over and over as you eat this bread and drink this cup to experience the intimacy, the closeness, the unity he prayed for on that night before He rescued the world from the power of sin. His prayer in that moment of time, and you can read it again. His prayer in that moment of time was about communion. It was about intimacy. It was about closeness. It was about unity. Listen to, as I read, just excerpts from this prayer. Holy Father, keep them in your name. The name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are. Communion. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for all who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, all of them, even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you that they also may be in us. Communion. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Communion. Intimacy. Intimacy. Closeness, unity. I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Imagine yourself in that moment after everything is said and done and you're coming back with a group of believers and you're not celebrating the Passover, right? Because that's celebrated at a specific time. No, you're, you're coming back together as often as you desire to remember Jesus. And what you're not doing is, is you're not taking Passover light because that's not what he offered. What you have been offered is communion. What you have been offered is a, a, is a oneness in Jesus With the Father, by the Spirit. You've been offered a a closeness, a unity, an intimacy. Can you hear the passion in Jesus in just those few lines from his prayer? Can you hear that closeness, that intimacy, that unity? When Paul would later reference the cup and the bread to the Corinthian church, and the context is a little bit different, so I'm not pulling it out of context to to mess it up, but I, I just want you to hear what Paul is saying in this moment of time about this. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. The word that Paul uses there for the sharing in this blood and the sharing in this body was the word koinonia. A word forever associated for the rest of the time that people will be on the planet from the first century on. A word associated with fellowship. A word associated with participation. A word associated with now communion. It's part of the relationship of those who are part of the Lord's church. The Last Supper Jesus shares with his disciples is significant for a lot of reasons. There are many takeaways from it. But with it, Jesus places an importance on true fellowship. Jesus emphasizes gathering together and enjoying a meal and encouraging other believers in true fellowship in him. Jesus invites those who are his followers into a partnership with the Father and with the Spirit. Jesus offers the provision of, as the author I said earlier, true nourishment and strength and hope and joy, a feasting of our souls on all that he purchased on the cross, fellowship with God. Communion as a service has the purpose of reminding the followers of Jesus that he made it possible for us to have peace and right standing with God. To live in freedom from sin. To have no fear in death. And to have hope for the future. Communion as part of a service is a very simple act. It's it's just coming up to the table. It's just taking Juice and the bread, and then after maybe a prayer or maybe a scripture, eating it and drinking it. But communion as a gift of Jesus to his followers is so much more, it is a life of intimacy. It is a life of closeness. It is a life of unity that is enjoyed with God. It it gives us the ability to enjoy life with God. So if we come to this table and the only thing that it represents to us is that Jesus was beaten and his body broken And his blood shed, and we go through the mental exercise of just remembering those facts, then all we're doing is Passover. Just remembering something historical and being grateful for it. When we come to this table, we are reminded of communion, of fellowship, of intimacy of unity, of closeness that has been granted through Christ to us. I'm going to ask the elders, if they would, to come on up and find a table. And we're going to receive communion together, and that's going to be the end of our time. Hector's going to play a little bit in the background so we can have some music. But if you've never been a part of communion in this way here, you come to a table with with yourself alone or with others that might be joining you and you come and we pray and we receive communion together. Can I ask you that this time where so often our focus is on let a man examine himself, right? Let him make sure he does not entertain into his body the the elements of communion in a wrong way. Can I tell you that maybe there is another part of that that we have missed? That I have missed. And that is to take in this communion as only Passover light is to not read it right as well. But to understand that what has gone on And what is represented in this moment of time is an opportunity to once again remember that I can be walking out this door and speaking with my Heavenly Father. That I can be driving in my car and the Spirit of God can so overwhelm me with the presence of God that I pull over to the side because I can't see anymore because I'm crying. Or that I can be in a house with a 40-year-old guy under the bed and I can walk into that house and into that moment with the strength and the power of God. Communion. It's the offer of that life. That life. Intimacy, closeness, unity with God. And then when we walk away from this table, it gives us the opportunity to do it with each other, right? So if you want to take a moment, do that. If you're ready, find a table and we will receive together.